0: Hello, I'm Dr. Shantae, and welcome to season four of Believing Bigger. <laughs> I knew, I knew, I knew. Thank you. I felt it too. I feel like Timberland. It's been a long time. Shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step to. Pod Class is the most listened to, the most requested, and the most shared episodes of Believing Bigger, and so. I had to bring it back for season four. Last season we did a whole season without pod class and that was like the number one question. When you bring it back pod class? So this season, there will be a slew of pod classes. So many pod classes, you won't be able to stand it. And so for this episode, we're gonna kick off season four with no more excuses. And this is going to be a progression. You'll see this a lot this season where it's really gonna be like taking listeners to task. because. Faith without works is dead, right? So it's one thing to like believe bigger, but at some point you actually got to do something. So that is where we're going to be going this season. So our first episode is No More Excuses. And our guiding thought is from Exodus 4, 10 through 12. Y'all know I love me some Old Testament. So of course we had to start this season with some Old Testament stuff. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant's But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And so that's what our guiding thought is today. And our title for this episode is going to be No More Excuses. And we're going to look at three things, really four. One, recognizing your resistance. Why are you reluctant to answer the call? Two, don't outsource your calling. God is well aware of your shortcomings when he calls you. Three, God equips the called. And four, what is your flesh telling you to do versus what your spirit is telling you to do? Because we're always at odds. We're always at odds with that guy. Every single time, without fail, there's what we should do, and then there's what we really want to do. And so by the end of this episode, you'll be able to kind of assess Who's telling you what? So let's start with recognizing your resistance. And so in order to kind of get some context, because, you know, we know Moses, like Moses is like one of those people, right? Like one of those biblical figures was like, oh, everybody knows him. He was like the Prince of Egypt. And there was like a cartoon and like a soundtrack, right? Yeah, that guy. Moses was asked to liberate the children of Israel. And if you go back to Exodus chapter three, because we're focusing on four, but in chapter three, by the time we get to four, Moses and God have kind of like been having it out <laughs> for like two chapters. They have been going back and forth for two chapters like, mm, I'm feeling some kind of way. OK, and so chapter three, verse nine says this. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, houseway. How? Like, how is this going to work? He said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Like, what you talking about, Willis? Who are you talking about? Not me. Clearly not me. This is the start of the resistance. So Moses said, who am I? What if they don't listen? What if they don't believe me? And every time he raised a concern, God's retort or his refrain was, it's not about who you are. It's about who I am. This is like the famous chapter where he says, I am that I am. So if you read chapter three and go to 12 to 14, this is where they're having this back and forth. And he says, it doesn't matter who you are. It's about who I am. And Moses is still not convinced. So ask yourself, how many times have you been asked to do something? And your response, your your first reaction is, who? Me? Who am I? Why you ask me to do it? And then... He starts talking about all of his shortcomings, all of the things that he doesn't have. He says, I have a speech impediment. Moses was a stutterer. So he was not the Barack Obama (laughs) of the Hebrew people. Okay, he was a stutterer. Okay, if you ever watch that movie, The King's Speech, it's about him having that type of speech impediment. And so he's like, I'm the last person to go out here and be like your designated spokesperson. Like that is so not my deal. That is not my thing. And again, he said, but who made your mouth? I'm well aware that you have a speech impediment. I'm well aware that you stutter. Who makes man's mouth? Who makes him blind or deaf or mute or seen? He said, don't I do that? Didn't I make you? So are you telling me something that I don't already know about you? And think about that. So a lot of times, you know, God is asking you to do something and you start talking about all the reasons why you can't do it. He's like, don't you think I I took this assessment? Don't you think I'm well aware of what your issues are? We do the same thing. So for us, it may not be a speech impediment, but we say stuff like, oh, well, I'm overweight. I can't go out there in front of all these people until I lose 20 pounds. I, I don't look the part, okay? I'm, t- I'm, I'm too short. I'm too dark. I'm too this. I'm too that. I didn't finish school. I don't have the right kind of education. I don't have the money. That's the famous one. I don't have the money, right? Again, this is like Lenny Williams. I- It's all about you. It's like, but I don't have, but I'm not this, but I'm not that. And God is just looking at you like, really, are you you telling me something that I, I don't know about you? Like, I was well aware of this when I put the call out, okay? And so God is saying, I made you what you are. His retort to Moses is like, I'm not trying to hear it. I'm well aware. I counted the cost. I'm still asking. But Moses' response was all about himself. So here's the thing. Anytime you're being asked to do something, like so your spirit is tugging at you to go out and do something to make some sort of bold move, especially way, way out of your comfort zone. And you start talking about all of your shortcomings right in that very moment, you are denying the power of God to move in that situation. Right in that moment, right in that second. It's like, boop you, I know what my situation is and you can't do anything about it. That is essentially what you are saying. Don't outsource your calling. This brings us to point number two. He said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. So we didn't want to do it. So he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. A lot of times when you're getting called out or you're being asked to do something, you would love for somebody else to do it. Because in your mind, there are so many more qualified people who could do this besides you. I know you said you'd be there. I know you said all of these things. I, I know you made my mouth and I know you, you, you counted the cost, but please ask somebody to do it, somebody else to do it. And so I'm asking you listeners, what is it that you're afraid of? What is it that you're afraid of? Even when God gives you confirmation, because, you know, we love that word. I need confirmation from the Lord. OK, so even when God gives you confirmation, you still don't want to do it. You still don't want to do it. I'll pray about it. That's another stall tactic. Hmm. yeah, let me pray about that. You know that this is what the spirit is calling you to do. So ask yourself, what are you afraid of? What is it that you are insecure about? That you are reluctant or resistant to step out there and make that move. And whenever you are operating and making decisions guided by fear and insecurity, that is a red flag that you are not trusting God. Anytime it comes from fear, anytime it comes out of insecurity, that is the obvious red alert that this is about you. It's not about him every single time. So then the Lord got ticked. By now he's pissed. He's like, you know what? Look, (laughs) like, look here. The Lord says the Lord's anger burned against Moses because they've been having it out for two chapters. So at this point, God is like, look, I'm about sick of you. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be with you and glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. Here's what I don't want you to miss in these two verses. Not only was God angry, but he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. Let's stop for a moment. God didn't have to go six people over to find another qualified person. No, his brother, the person right next to him, lived in his camp, neighbor, your brother in your family who's on his way to see you is a much more qualified speaker than you. Your brother is actually the Barack Obama of the family. And I knew that and I asked you anyway. There was a much more qualified person in the family and I bypassed that person and I asked you, think about that. Think about when David got called out to be king. So if you guys haven't read First and Second Samuel, go read First and 2 Samuel. David had a slew of brothers, big, strong, strapping, Gaston type of brothers, okay? Like those types of brothers. And David was like the runner of the litter. And so when Samuel came there looking for a king, you know, they all came striding up like, yeah, these big corn-fed, corn-bread husky brothers. And Samuel was like, mm-mm. Nope, not you, not, yep, that one, that one right there on the end. And they was like, what? Him? Him. So Aaron was a much more qualified speaker, and God acknowledged, I know that Aaron can speak well. I'm still asking you to do this. God is well aware of your shortcomings. A lot of times we try to pass the buck. We try to outsource it. Well, can't you ask somebody else to do it? but you were asked. Okay, so a lot of times if somebody asks you to do something, God put it on that person's heart to ask you to do it for a specific reason, okay? And at this point, he's willing to give Moses a concession. He said, look, Aaron's gonna come. You tell Aaron what I said. You let him know what the deal is. You put the words in his mouth. Aaron will actually be a spokesperson for you, but you still have to go and do the job. So even though he had some assistance, even though he had some help, Moses still had to go and do the job. And then finally, he accepts it, okay? So let this be a lesson. Let this just be a a, a visual example that God is well aware of what your shortcomings are. He's well aware that somebody else is probably much more equipped and naturally capable and talented of doing the very thing that you're being asked to do. But he's asking you anyway. So he knows your past, your shortcomings, your inadequacies, your insecurities, calls you out anyway. And so the question you need to ask yourself is, Despite all the things that you've done, despite all the things that you don't want to do, despite all the things that just give you nightmares, like, oh my gosh, I would rather watch grass grow than do that thing that you're asking me to do. If God recognizes your value and your utility, why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you? He sees it, how come you don't see it? That, again, is one of those those. Let me check my pulse and see what my relationship with him really, really is. God's response to fear is always anger and disappointment. Why? Because Lib- Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible, not possible. So anytime he asks you to do something and your response is fear and like resistance and insecurity, he's always going to be angry about that. He's like, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's like, if you're afraid, that ain't for me because I didn't give you that. Fear is the opposite of faith. They are, they are like polar opposites, okay? It is like night and day. And so if you're operating in fear, that means you're operating outside of faith, and he's always going to have a hostile response to that. So our last point, God equips the called. So here are the things that he tells Moses to reassure him throughout this process. He says, I will tell you what to say. He says, I will use Aaron to be a spokesperson for you. So now after they've argued for like two straight chapters, he's like, you know what? I ain't got time. Use Aaron, but you still got to go. He said, I have provided a staff. And so if you read, okay, chapter three, chapter four, Moses was provided a staff, a stick, you know, that he was using to perform signs and wonders so that he would get some credibility. He says, I will be with you. He's like, you're not going in here by yourself. He's like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. How many times have we done that? Well, can you go with me? Well, can you go with me? Well, I'll go if you go. Can you go with me? God is like, I'm there. I'm there. Okay, like already there. And he was still afraid. And here's the beauty. God's timing is perfect. You're not going to be asked to do something that you are not ready right at that very moment in time to do. And many podcasts ago, I have said God does not operate on chronos. Chronos is that artificial clock that we set for ourselves so that by the time I'm 25, I'm going to have this kind of house and be with this kind of man and do this kind of job. and That's chronos, okay? You have a chronology that you've set up for events in your life. God does not operate on chronology. He could give a crap about our 12 months, right? He could give a crap about our calendar. He really doesn't care. He operates on kairos. Kairos is moments of time. So when you're operating on moments of time, there's a designated period in history and destiny for you to achieve or for you to move forward in that said action. Evidence of this, if you continue to read Exodus, so 419, he says, now the Lord has said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. You're like, wait a minute, did I miss something? Why do they want to kill Moses? Because Moses was a murderer. Wait a minute. He had a speech impediment and he was a killer. Yes. Yes. A murderer. Ta-da. Now, listeners, I am no judge. So whatever you've done, you know, like Jill Scott said, your background, it ain't squeaky clean. Mine ain't either. You read my book, you will see my background is not squeaky clean either. But Moses was a murderer. He murdered an Egyptian that was abusing a Hebrew slave, killed him right there and buried the body and didn't think anybody knew about it come to find out people did know about it and so he took off left Egypt and and fled to Midian so God said look all of that has blown over the people that was mad about that are dead so he waited a kairos right a moment of time until because I mean who knows when somebody's gonna die so not a chronology not a a Kronos moment, a Kairos moment. He waited until those people were dead and then he put the call out to Moses. And so if you're being called to do something, trust God's timing. It's not coincidental he doesn't operate that way, right? So if God called a murderer, a stutterer, and a coward, by the way, (laughs) to take on this mighty task, what is God calling you to do that you feel you are resisting, okay? That you are resisting because of things that you feel disqualify you from service. I'm gonna be honest with you, so like, high school, people that knew me like way back when, I'm the last person, I mean, the last person that I could ever imagine would have a podcast or a platform about anything Bible related. I really would have been the person at 18 like, who, <gasps> me? Mm-mm. Do you mean Shanette, not Shantae? Did you get the, the letters transposed? Cause you're not talking about me, but yeah me, my spiritual rap sheet is lengthy. Okay. I am not a goody two shoes. Never have been. Okay. But here I am. So despite whatever those things were going on in the past, God still has a call. So no more excuses. That's what this podcast is all about. No more excuses. Whatever you think disqualifies you, you are still qualified if God has called you to do it. So that is that. And now my favorite part of pod class. This is where we get to hear from a couple of people in our audience so that we can see and hear. How are you guys responding to this? What jumped out to you? If you're taking mental notes, if you're taking actual notes, what is
1: it that jumped out for you? What jumped out for me is the, um, the point about when, I'm re- when I react in fear... I mean I've always known, okay, so that's that's kinda anti-faith, but to look at it and say, I'm reacting in fear, so what's going on with my relationship with God? Um, you know, because I say I trust him and I believe and you know, and I do know in my knower that he knows all things and knows me, but it's like I, I kind of tend to have that reaction sometimes like, oh, I'm too this, I'm too that. I definitely have done the I'm too overweight, I'm too this. When I lose this or when I, you know, when I get this degree or when I do that, then I'll try. So that's the thing that stood out to me because, you know, that's a good test for yourself when something does come up. And then the other thing I was thinking about is how do I, you know, how do I know it's him leading me and not that flesh saying I want to do that versus is that what he wants me to do. So. Oh,
0: that's a great question. A matter of fact, I think that might be like the second episode of pod class, you know, so if you stick around, you know, you, you might get the answer to that question. But something that you said is, is very key is that we love to live in the when and the ends. When I lose a certain amount of weight, when I get a certain amount of money, when I get a certain type of degree, chronos, 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 right? Because... We're not talking about this today, but in the Bible, there's a story of like a rich man that was like, man, I got too much stuff. So let me, you know, tear down the barns, build up new barns, get it all fixed up just the way I want it. And then I can just enjoy life, kick back, sip my ties, and it's all to the good. And Spirit came to him that night and said, no, sucker, tonight is your last night. And so we have this thing like we live in the wind. thens, when this, when that, when this, when that but you might not have win. <laughs> win is not guaranteed. You may not never make it to that 20 pounds. You might not ever get that apology. You may not ever make that amount of money. So you're just not gonna live. And again, it is like kind of like a gut check, like, wait a minute, what is my relationship? So I can say this as a mother, motherhood is like the close has got to be the closest thing to, that mirrors our relationship with God. The negotiations that I have to have with my child. And I'm like, do you know what I know? Do you know what I have? Are are we really having this conversation, little 10-year-old child? Are we really having this conversation? And sometimes that's how God is just like, are we we really having this conversation? Wow. Okay, we are having this conversation. Okay, let's let's hear it. Get it all out. Because I can't believe we're having this conversation. It's the same thing. So we've all been guilty of that. We've all been guilty of it. Yes, your takeaway. Um, My takeaway would have to be that... um I need to stop arguing with him you know and get out of his way that's the the biggest thing or my biggest fault that i do um so that would have to be my biggest takeaway in the words of dr phil how's that working for you how's that working for you the thing is when you think you know better than he does you know what i love about god this is how i truly believe he operates this is sometimes people kind of like see god as kind of like this titan in the clouds like sending down lightning bolts like i'm gonna get you sucker you know like that's how it is i don't think it works like that at all i think that when you are operating in god's will he has his hand of protection over you and when you decide you don't want his assistance anymore he's like all right and he just steps back like you got it boo and then you see what you were being protected from because i feel like the dangers and the drama it's always there it's always there and he just protects you from it when you're operating in the will but then as soon as you get outside of the will it's like let's shimon in, (laughs) you know, like challenge, what you gonna do? And it goes from there. So thank you guys so much for joining me for this first pod class. Like I said, there'll be many more this season. And so if you have any comments, questions, tweets, takeaways, you know, you can always hit me up at Dr. Shante Says on Twitter and on Instagram, and I respond every single time. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for listening to Believing Bigger with Dr. Shante. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to follow Dr. Shantae, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. says. Until next time, keep on believing bigger.